Welcome to the RV Navigator podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. This is Ken, your RV navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And here we are on the last day of 2009, December 31st. We usually don't wait until the last month of the year to make our the RV navigator. The last night of the year. The last night of the year. But tonight and is as a, a matter of fact, night. we're going to share our New Year's Eve with, with you. you. <laughs> so happy New Year's, all of our fans and listeners. Uh, we hope to hear from you in 2010 and hope that uh, you have a very prosperous year. And, but we, this, and we hope that... An inebriated podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But this is, in reality, this is really the last night. And we're celebrating because we have finally made it to Texas in the warm weather. But here it goes. Uh, Oh, yes. And so although it's not quite midnight, we're going to celebrate here. In our plastic, not quite champagne glasses. Well, it's RVing. (gasps) In our RV cups, we have the champagne poured. We're ready to celebrate New Year's Eve. And unlike the Chicago area, which is suffering from below zero temperatures tonight, we are in the 70s and enjoying a very warm time here in our spot for the month in Texas. So let's fill up these glasses. They're we nice drove plastic. here under bright blue skies. Okay, so, so here we are. Uh, everybody pick up their glasses. <laughs> clink. And plastic doesn't clink very well. Mm. So if you hear that every once in a while, you know that we are enjoying the podcast. We would have made this More podcast earlier, but we just didn't have time. Driving down driving, here. Driving, is, driving, 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 yes. <laughs> we usually don't sing either. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, let's have another drink. Okay. (laughs) But we do have serious topics to talk about, so continue listening. We took four days to drive down here. We left two days after Christmas, a little bit earlier than usual. And, you know, we always look for the very best weather. Um, Unfortunately, we don't live where there is the very best weather. It's always so iffy. We're kind of shocked by this. And this year in particular, we said, well, we're not going to leave. There's no pressure. We're just going to leave when the weather seems like it's going to be okay. And, of course, you can't just look at the weather where you are. You have to look at the weather for the entire route. And the weather keeps moving while you are moving. Well, And that you can understand. We picked a, a day when the actually it was a little cloudy at home, but it was supposed to be sunny through the rest of the trip. And the snow had ended, and the we snow gave had them ended, time there wasn't a lot to of clear snow. off the roads, yeah. which they had done. Because if you've listened to our podcast very long, oh, this is going to be 2010. We've been doing this almost four years. Can really? you believe that? People have been listening to us for four years? God, I don't That's know That's really why. hard to believe. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and we do appreciate it. Uh, we started our our trip south, and little did we realize that even one or two inches of snow on the cornfields of Indiana and a very strong westerly wind would blow the snow across the road. And this, the wind was very um, unreliable. Um, it would be a period of calm, yes, and then all of a sudden it was like a giant dope slap to your head. And, and Ken and really a, struggled a, to keep a, the motorhome broadsided on, RV. on the road in and of itself, and then those dope slaps of wind were 
were followed by snow drifts yeah. um, over a previously plowed and, and almost dry road. Yeah. We would suddenly yeah. encounter inches and inches of snow. And yeah. um, then we started encountering people who had miscalculated and driven into the median and on the shoulders yes. uh, because the wind and the snow drifts And this was really, really unexpected, I would havoc. say. We camped for the night. Uh, fortunately, we were safe in driving through this, even though the, the going was slow. Yeah, you know, going 40 miles an hour through this area. And people talked about uh, seeing RVs in Fifth the ditch. Wheels. Fifth wheels yeah. in the ditch. And... Uh, <sighs> Be careful if you travel in the winter. I just don't understand why anybody would RV. I'm probably going to get in trouble for this. What? I don't understand why understand why anybody would RV in the winter. Because people like to do winter things. There isn't anything that would make you me... don't like to do winter things. Well, I was you know out there struggling and things are frozen and I there was a, a bay door that I couldn't get open because it was really frozen gym, and our battery wouldn't start. Even oh, that's right. We had to. Oh, I had to take the, the. I have a portable generator. I had to take over to charge the battery so that I could get the motorhome started. Whoa. Oh, it yeah, the tradition down here <laughs> is fireworks. to shoot off fireworks, so you might hear some um, alarming sounds as, as we Because it's very, very pleasant here now. So we drove south for quite a ways. As a matter of fact, about 1,500 miles. And it got better every day. And it got better every day. But we were amazed at how many people were on their way south. <laughs> it was like being in a parade. <laughs> and surprisingly, we stopped in uh, Sykeston, Missouri, which we'd never been to before, but it is the home of Lambert's uh, Restaurant, home of the Throne Rolls. Road Rolls. Oh, Throne Rolls. Uh-huh. Really? Yeah. It's not Throne. No. That would be too correct. <laughs> This is a very southern restaurant. <laughs> and the waitress we had was very southern. Anyway, we, we this, this campground uh, specializes in, in overnight stays. And he said, uh, you know, that starting the day after Christmas for two or three weeks, they are just packed every night. And they were virtually full the night we were there. But fortunately, they were ready and they had, uh, we could use our water and <laughs> we dewinterize ourselves and, and start using the RV right away. Yeah, really by the end of the first driving Yeah, day, I just couldn't fill it up at home. It was just it was too okay. much too much work to to get the RV <clears throat> dewinterized at home because it was just plain too cold. Mm-hmm. And, and even loading the RV, you know, yeah. we, we tramped through snow in our driveway. I had to keep putting my shoes on and off because I didn't want to tramp snow inside the RV. So without ranting. <laughs> we're glad to be... In the warmth. I don't understand what the RVing in the winter is is all about. Anyway, so we had uh, quite a good drive south uh, at 8.3 miles per gallon. We spent about 500 bucks to get down here, but we're going to be staying for three or four months. So it will be. It'll be worth it. Yeah. Some people have said to us, it's so expensive to have an RV, but. Well, you have to figure in what it costs to buy this RV in the first place. No, I don't can figure that at all. Yes, you do. (laughs) And of course, there are many cheaper choices than a Class A motorhome. Yeah, but, but they were talking about specifically driving down mm-hmm. here. It was, too, was very expensive. But what people don't understand is, is that we well, couldn't sit for a while. What did you say it cost us? $500? Mm-hmm, round numbers. Because I was um, doing a little research. You know, um, there would... was a possibility that I might need to go home while we're down here, and it would cost me alone $300 to fly, to fly home and fly trip. back. So, And we would have spent probably a few nights in a motel. 
that kind of money for the motels on driving down here if you were going to stay at some sort of a condo or something. So I don't think that RVing is that expensive. So here we are. So here we are. (laughs) I guess that's one man's point of view, huh? Uh, So we hope that uh, you have uh, enjoyed our new uh, RV Links page, and I hope that you'll take a look at it and send us some links that you think I have omitted. But uh, I've tried to keep it up and make sure that you have the links that uh, are necessary for doing a good job of RVing, and I will be adding several this month because we found some interesting websites. And should we also mention, because I know we forgot last month, our phone contact information. Oh, yes, that's right. If you would like to leave us a voicemail, please call us at 815-230-0772. And the email is navigator at rvnavigator.com. So send us an email. And I'll tell you, this month we have gotten quite a few emails. uh, And they have not all been happy. Why? (laughs) I think I offended a few people. Well, you have... They have a tendency oh, to do that when you have a strong opinion about things. That's why I have you here, <laughs> to keep me honest. Anyway, um, I didn't mean to offend anybody by saying that I couldn't understand why anybody would downsize from a Class A to a Class C. So what reasons did they give you? Well, uh, some people said, um, you know, we bought a condo down here, and, you know, they just kind of use it for a week or a two. back and forth. Well, well, you know, a week or two jaunts, yeah. which is very understandable. Yeah, yeah. And other people just said... We want to be more green. That's another point of view. And and I have to add that if I was in charge of this operation, we would not be in such a huge vehicle because I can't handle driving this motorhome. Yeah, but you didn't downsize. You wouldn't have downsized. But I would have to downsize. Well, you wouldn't be downsizing because you never would have bought it in the first place. That's true. <laughs> but so, so I, I guess like I guess this. our shock was is that once you're in a class A, that it's hard to downsize. But for various other reasons, I'll give you credit that there are it and, is possible. And traveling light is not our motto. No, we like no, to bring. No, going to be gone for a long time. Anyway, so uh, so we didn't mean to hurt your feelings, and we totally understand that different people have different reasons and, for making decisions pro- that we, they do. And thank and, you for sending us an email. And um, we hope that you still love us, and we totally understand. Next why time, you might next come time, to a call the contact hotline conclusion. so we can put your comments rant, on rant there. <laughs> you can R and R right along with us, <laughs> providing the other point of view. Read an interesting article in the newspaper today. While I'm still coherent, a Nevada couple letting their SUV, SUV's navigating system guide them through the high desert of eastern Oregon got stuck in the snow for three days when the GPS unit sent them down a remote forest road. Which one should add that you need to pay attention to the kinds of roads that your GPS is sending you down and the time of year? Because one thing that I haven't paid very close attention to until I learned the, long, the hard way was elevation of roads. You need to pay attention to the... Um, kind of road you're going to go on. Is that here in the article? No, but it made me think of that time when I sent you up that hairpin road Mm. and it was so high and you had a hard time pulling the trailer and you need to pay attention. You can't trust a machine. Back to the article. On Sunday, atmospheric conditions apparently changed enough for their GPS-enabled cell phone to get a weak signal and relay coordinates to a dispatcher. Klamath County Sheriff Tim 
Evinger said, GP almost almost did them in, and the GPS saved them. It will give you options to pick the shortest route, and you certainly get the shortest route, but it may not be a safe route. That's what I was saying. So the GPS sent them into this snowdrift-laden forest road, but the GPS sending devices on their cell phones also enabled the rescuers to find them after three days. And luckily this couple had packed a lot of food and water and warm clothes in their car, and so they were okay, and the story has a happy ending. But the moral of this story is don't <laughs> trust machines. Hmm. There might be a divergent point of view there. But anyway, this kind of leads us into the fact that uh, I bought a new GPS. Now, see, here's where an email really... Oh, Santa brought you a new GPS. Oh, yeah, thank you. As a result of uh, email from Harry, who told me all the good, good news about the Garmin 1490T, we bought a new GPS for the motorhome. Which we didn't really need. Oh, yes. Our, but it does work a lot faster. Our old one had a lot of brain farts before it <laughs> finally would lose the Well, and it had a mechanical hard drive in it, too, which... Made it slow. And the this, this screen is a nice big 5-inch screen, and it has traffic uh, stuff on it, so that it, which it did today. It was very surprising. Mm-hmm. We're driving through San Antonio and Dallas. Let us and, know. We would be delayed two minutes. Well, that's the traffic. It's got uh, The new garments apparently have a free traffic capability. And if your garment ends in a T... It has this capability with it that uh, it will automatically receive traffic information and uh, put it on the screen and, and and let you route yourself around it. In addition to that, it also has uh, things like uh, intersection lane control so that it tells you what lanes to be in. Which is really important when you're 65 feet long because you need as much warning as possible to know what lane to and be in. And you don't in. want your wife screaming at you. All in all, I think it's very nice because it, it has a very big, bright screen. And that's uh, so that the pilot can actually see the screen whereas the old one he couldn't see it but i have to add on this trip i overruled it at least once Mm. you have to pay attention to what the machine is telling you to Mm. do and i always still like to have a map on my lap i updated it with the latest maps as a matter of fact i bought the lifetime subscription for it we always like to have the latest maps, and Garmin now offers a very reasonably priced lifetime subscription for your GPS, which upgrades any maps that came with it as part of the original purchase. And they do update them four times a year or so, so that uh, this will keep your, your GPS up to date. And I found that uh, the new system uses and you just plug it into your computer, and that uh, charges it and allows you to access the the Garmin system and update it as well as update the flash memory. So thanks, Harry. Thank you for alerting me to the fact that they had a nice new Garmin. And I like it too. I see here on our agenda that we're going to talk about guns. And this worries me because this is another um, hot button topic. And I want to say right now that I have strong opinions on this matter. (laughs) And they're probably not your opinion and that's okay. Um, I've never touched a gun in my life, nor do Ooh. I want to. Um, I think guns have a purpose. When we were on a safari in Africa and we were in an open vehicle going through a lion-infested forest in the middle of the night, I was glad that my driver had a rifle Maybe you need some more champagne. Just in case some cat tried to attack us. But I don't see why people have them in their home. I don't see why people carry them. Uh, too many mistakes happen. Uh, people shoot people they know in, in air. And I so why 
are we talking about guns? I worked in schools for in many RVs. years. And hello, hello, hello. And Why are we talking about guns and RVs? Well, because uh, a person that we really enjoy um, reading, um, Nick, I don't know his last name, who writes the Gypsy Journal, which is a, a newsletter that comes out periodically um, on paper, and he's gone to an online edition as well, uh, does a daily blog about full-time RV. RVing. And he's an excellent author and talks a lot we about interesting experiences he's had as he's traveled the yes. U.S. and talks about various interesting RV topics. We've but learned were, a lot from him. They were camped in a, in a repair facility campground. They have a motorhome that they in just In Elkhart, bought, Indiana. In Elkhart. And they went away for a short time. For dinner. For dinner. And came back to their RV and... Things looked a little suspicious. And some two people had broken in. Mm. And one of the first things they found in Nick's RV was some of his guns. Some of his he guns. He apparently <laughs> travels with quite a few, which they were now aiming at Nick and his wife. Yes. Oh, my God. It makes your heart stop just to think about it. Nick uh, could have handled it better, but one thing he seemed to have done well is he slammed the door on the guy's arm as he was having the gun aimed at him, which caused him to drop the one gun. Anyway, the the robbers ran away, but it could have turned out much, much worse. There was a lot of vandalism and damage and theft, and the guns certainly did, did not, not help. Did not, well, did not save them from getting themselves robbed. As a matter of fact, they could have been on the wrong end of it. You know, if you're on inside the RV and somebody tries to break in, that's one thing. But if somebody breaks in and steals your gun, that's that's a whole other. And that's and that's I think where most people have problems with guns, is is that the unexpected happens. And you don't so, know how you're going to react in an emergency. You know, we want to kind of point this out. We're not, we're not going to take sides on this. But no, I have before, a side. I make no bones about it. <laughs> we're not going to. The and Army you, Navigator doesn't take sides. I'm entitled to my opinion, and you are, dear listener, entitled to yours. But that certainly did make us think about RV security. Yes. The window... They broke the window of the door and just twisted the handle and let yeah, themselves in. We always think of, yeah, the RV is being pretty safe. You might want to reconsider if you have a gun or take this as a lesson. Anyway, if you want to read about it, uh, go to thegypsyjournal.com, and he has uh, full reports on <laughs> not only that, but his experience with the insurance company and getting everything fixed. Now, didn't you have a, some resources on RV security? Yes, I'm going to put up. I'm going to put up uh, a link to. Uh, we found an actually a, a burglar alarm. RV system. burglar alarm security systems dot com, and I'm not really going to talk about that because I don't know a lot about it. But uh, they have. It's a blog, and they talk about uh, quite RV. Yes, they talk about RV uh, security systems and and how you can you know that are specifically dealing with RVs and how to secure your RV. For instance, one of the things they mention is is that everybody's keys to the outside compartments are all the same. That's appalling. Let's go shopping. Oh, I knew that. Didn't you know that? <laughs> Let's go shopping. If you ever lose your key, just go up to your neighbor and ask him for the key. Open his. Open yours. Yes. Yeah. Well, the thing and, that and that he recommended that you go and take your your locks to the keysmith and locksmith, locksmith and have them rekeyed. And the thing that it made me think about as an owner of a home, that no matter whether I'm in my home or in my RV, I should be worried about the security of the place that I'm not in. And I think we've thought a lot more about our stick house than we have about our mobile house. And even though we empty it out pretty well, there's still TVs in there, and people could just come in to see what you do have in there. Yeah, they don't know. And and certainly for Nick, a lot of the damage was just caused by vandalism as they they did did bad things like 
like you know, a slash's seat, yeah. his driver's seat, you know, which was leather, and you know, just things which are just malicious and damaging, depressing. Just, yeah, yeah, and it, you know that that just hurts. And they're full timers, so they were back on the road as quickly as possible. But it's it's tough to take that. And you feel kind you of violated. To, yeah. Let's think about something happier. Indeed. I did not realize that people have been RVing for a hundred years. years. That's yes. amazing. And the RIVA has put out a video that kind of chronicles RVing throughout the years. Um, it's uh, quite interesting and a, and a few minutes long, what, about five or six minutes long. Mm-hmm. And it has clips from all the decades and how the RVing has changed over the years. And they start off with really early RVs. So Covered wagons. I will include that link on our website if you'd like to, to, to take a look at that video. It's, it's actually quite interesting to see. And right along with that is the... Um, the high, the latest in, in RVs, and hybrid cars are something that are very popular. The Winnebago has made a hybrid RV, and a family is actually living in it. But it's a prototype. It's, it's not a prototype, right? You cannot buy it at the moment. Purchase, and who knows whether it'll ever be for sale? I can't imagine a large vehicle like ours being a hybrid. Why? Where would you put all the... <laughs> Can you imagine the batteries it would take? I mean, for our Prius... You mean I couldn't bring all my shoes? <laughs> <laughs> but for, for, but for our, our listeners who have green concerns, I mean, certainly... I don't know how green that is because in a Prius, the batteries cost ten to $15,000. That's not a matter of green. That's a matter of money. Well, that's a matter of green, too, because those batteries have to be disposed of at the end of the cycle. You can't recycle them? Uh, I don't know, but think of the kind of batteries you'd have to have for your motorhome. You're going to have to have about $25,000 worth of batteries. One this size. And yeah. heavy, and yeah. you just got to wonder how viable it is. Anyway, I hopefully will put that link up on the website also. And uh, if I don't, then I'm sure somebody will email me. <laughs> to remind you to do it. it. That's Brad Herzog and his wife, Amy and their two boys are uh, are on their 10th annual RV road trip. The family is sponsored by the Recreational Vehicle Association to promote RVing wherever, wherever they, they go. go. In this segment, they talk about the family's adventures with the hybrid Winnebago motorhome. It's the only one of its kind. Is that where you have the most expensive motorhome in the world video, too? Uh, I don't think so. But that'll That's put... a hoot. <laughs> That's done by British people. <laughs> And see, it was seven hundred and fifty thousand pounds that, which is a lot. Home. So you multiply it by two or well, no, one and a half for a dollar. You mu- you multiply it by some factor, <laughs> it comes <laughs> out to be over a million dollars. But there are lots of motorhomes that are made that are over a million dollars. And so that they part were, of the video where they open the the hatch on the know, bottom and a car comes out. sliding out, that was amazing. Um, so well, let's take up the whole basement with a stupid car. Extremely la di da. Yes. We're almost done with the champagne. What a shame. <laughs> the motor mouth is continuing. For you guys who are in, into technical stuff, this is for you. So if you're not into technical stuff, skip ahead about five minutes. Have a drink. <laughs> if it's New Year's Eve for you. <clears throat> okay. This headline is titled, Google Launches Free Public DNS. A DNS is a domain name server. Oh, my God, she knows. This is an important feature of browsing the Internet because the Internet um, seems to understand English. So when you type in rvnavigator.com... It also understands other languages. Well, it actually doesn't understand any languages. But I could type in a German word and it would understand that too. Not really. The same way. Do you know of any German websites? Websites. Sure. Uh No. No? No, they're all in English. No. (laughs) 
the words may not be, but they don't use the special characters. Oh, no, umlauts are hard S's. No, so they're just like English words. Hmm. Interesting. Anyway, let's go off on a tangent. You see how easy he is to derail? <laughs> For those of you who are a little bit technically oriented and want to improve your web browsing experience, you might want to listen to this. That's my bottom line here. The Internet uh, does not understand English. It only understands numbers. A DNS is called a domain name server, as Martha was nice enough to point out. But what that does is, is that it takes the rvnavigator.com and it points it to the correct server that hosts the rvnavigator.com. That server has what's called an IP address, a number, and does not really have a name. Every time you type in a, a, a web address, it has to be translated into a number that corresponds to a server which actually hosts that web page. I knew all that. Okay, that's good. Now, that's a big job because there are billions of websites, and everyone has to have a server that is has an IP address, and the accuracy of that DNS is critical. Do the numbers correspond to the letters of the alphabet? No, not at all. So it's just you know a domain. Uh, this equals this, and this equals this. No, 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 no. It's not. No, it's no. It's not that at all. It's not. It's not a numbering system. Because what it does is it's like a map of which name goes with which server. So it says that the rvnavigator.com is hosted by 192.168.15.5. IP addresses are always in that in that sequence. Mm-hmm. So that it's not. So it doesn't have anything to you do cannot, with you, the letters in RV Navigator. No, and okay. you cannot tell from the RV. You can't tell from the IP address what the name would be, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. So it has to be entered in and manually connected. And why, do, why do our listeners want to know this? Well, because as people who travel frequently, using a foreign DNS, one that's not local to your own house and getting onto all different web servers, um, all different networks around the world, in our case, or all around the United States, every time you log on, you'll be using a different DNS. Some of them are good and some of them are bad. What so do you every mean time they're bad? They're not efficient? They're not accurate, or they're not efficient, uh-huh. or they're overworked, or blah, 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 blah. You know, so there's if you all were sorts in a third problems. world country, you might have more trouble with that well, the operation? Well, who knows? But you might have trouble with that on... A network which is overly busy. As if you were in Manhattan or something. Right. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that Google has done, and Google's trying to take over the Internet, we know that, but a nice thing that they've done is that they have a free public DNS, which means that you put the DNS server's number into your configuration on your computer, and it will always use that server to resolve the name and number conflicts. Where would I put that in? Well, you're going to have to go to the Google, and they have instructions on how to put this in. Once it's done, it's done, and you'll never have to do it again. But you will always then be using the Google DNSs, which, I, which from my experience so far, have been very fast and accurate. Now, one thing I always worry about when we are overseas is security. Mm-hmm. Um, when I do online banking well, or buy something, um, will this help me with it? No, it won't help you with that. 
But it will make sure that the information that you're getting back is correct, that the DNS that you're, that you're using has the correct tables to point to the right web pages. Now, one thing I really enjoyed when we were in Europe is when I would go on to familiar websites, I would get ads that mm. were geared to <laughs> the country where I was at that mm-hmm. moment. And that, I assume, wouldn't happen if I'm going through this Google DNS mm. thing. Uh, I haven't used this. I've just found out about this since we've been home, and I've uh-huh. only been using it since we've been home, so I can't frankly answer that question, but I don't think so. It's not a because big deal, your I IP, thought it was fun. Because your IP address that you're browsing from is still the foreign IP Link address. Link to wherever I am. Yes, and so you're just using this the Google DNS to resolve your the names and numbers conflicts. I don't remember having any trouble with my names. Well, how fast was it? Fast enough. But maybe this is faster. Okay. Okay, so that's too much tech. Has it been five minutes? Yes, probably. Probably. And I can tell you what the DNS number is. It was 8.8.8.8. Just put it on the website. No. Really? Really. That's where I would look for it. Okay, the article says, could both speed up your web browsing and protect you from potential DNS exploits. The company provides instructions for configuring for OS X, which is... What's a DNS exploit? It would be where the DNS is, is... purposefully pointed to wrong websites that they like want to steer you to. or something? Could be. Hmm. That it elicits. And, you know, you're other places you don't know. And this is so easy to do that there's just no reason not to use Google's. Okay, so on to the next exciting topic. NASCAR partners plan up to 500 branded campgrounds for NASCAR. And I'm not sure exactly what this means. I read this article twice. I think I gave it to you, and I still don't understand what the deal is. They're going to roll out 500 branded campgrounds in the United States in a move to build consumer loyalty to the U.S. auto racing circuit and attract a new generation of fans. And they've noticed that many people camp at NASCAR rallies, which Which at the one that we went to, we certainly noticed as well. And they were going to bring NASCAR people or cars to campgrounds that weren't close to NASCAR racetracks. Mm -hmm. To kind of do outreach, I think. Um, it looked like a way to get your name out and to combine two forces that apparently have been ailing in this bad economy as many places. Well, have been maybe ailing. some one of our listeners will have some more information about this. Yeah, because we only went to one NASCAR event. And we're not and NASCAR we fans, don't but know much about campgrounds it. that feature NASCAR could be something. Next article. Campgrounds and, and RV parks saw steady business growth in 2009 and expect continued growth in 2010. According people are to Motor camping. Home magazine. People are camping, and this summer, if you don't make your reservations right now, <laughs> you're not going to have a place to camp during the summer. Well, judging from our experience here, yes. Oh. Things are a bit quieter. But we got here a week before um, yeah. we got here last time. Uh-huh. And, and, of course, we're talking about not family camping, but we're talking about geezer camping. Geezer camping. It, it appeared that we didn't need to make a reservation and that we can stay here as long as we want and we can change our minds and no one gives a hoot. So um, it seems very flexible, which I really love. One of the things I love about RVing is not having to make big plans and have stuff on my calendar and have reservations. And when the traffic is down... People are glad to have your business whenever you show up. And that is uh, what's confirmed. Well, that's not confirmed by this. No, your article says that things are going up. Things are going to be really busy. And our trip to the last... uh 
spring to the to the national parks. Although they said national parks camping was up, our experience was is that it wasn't that full. They were busy, busy. but not. Oh yeah, full. yeah. But they were always busy. Mm-hmm. But, uh, the last article that we have is about that. something that we talked about uh, prior to this. We had somebody who I, oh I forgot the email, but uh, a question about uh, RV mattresses. Uh, remember when we talked about yeah, that? And yeah. uh, having a good mattress is critical. Uh, someone with a back problem obviously and will appreciate a good bed in their RV. And this is kind of insidious. Um, I'm the one with the back problem, and I waited much too long to replace our mattress at home because it seemed fine and Ken seemed fine with it, but what a difference it made for my pain levels once we got a new one and um rv mattresses are as um varied and the choices are are out there just as they are for the bed in your home you can have intersprings you can have memory foam or you can have the air bed three different types types of mattresses and if you wake up that you're stiff and sore, or two, you don't feel rested upon waking up, or three, you develop back pain. Get a new mattress. And as Martha will attest, getting a new mattress has made a major... huge difference. Which, Uh, to me, it doesn't make any difference at all. Which I'm happy for, but I would suggest if you are married to someone who needs to sleep on a marble slab, that's me, uh, you might want to look at the airbeds if you would like something a little softer on your half of the bed. And we have friends who have an airbed in their RV and just love it. Interspring mattresses. Since this is the most common type of mattress available, interspring mattresses are easy to find at, at the discounted prices. The coil spring technology used in this type of mattress hasn't changed much since the invention over 100 years ago. However, while popular, coil springs only cushion a downward force, which may not provide your body with enough support. Memory foam. This kind of material is terrific for molding against your body and providing ample support. Memory foam should always be viscoelastic. Viscoelastic. Thank you. Meaning that it will return to its original shape when you've gotten up. Also consider the various heights and indentation load deflection figures to determine the best firmness for your needs. They say at least six inches. An airbed popularity of this kind of mattress is increasing as they are convenient to move and set up. As a technology has improved in airbed industry, you'll find them more comfortable making them a potential alternative for a new mattress. And another possibility is um, a memory foam topper, which is what the people who owned our RV before us had. Um, In fact, she had it on her half of the bed and he didn't, which looked kind of odd. But, hey, if it helps you to sleep well, it's worth it. Okay, so now as it nears midnight, as the... Fireworks, fireworks continue, continue to, pop. to go off, and the bottle of champagne is nearly empty, dwindling as you to probably an end. <laughs> as you probably noticed. Um, You're going to get emails that'll say, "Never drink during the podcast again." Nah, they're going to say, "It's good that you were having a good time on New Year's Eve after making such a long drive." Ooh. So, time for 2010 resolutions. Oh, I'm making from the, the RV one navigators that I always make because I never keep it. Oh, <laughs> it's to eat less and lose weight. 
And and if I wasn't on a cruise for six weeks, it would have helped a lot. <laughs> so what are your plans for 2010, Mrs. RV Navigator? Well, they are very uncertain at this yes. moment. Um, We've decided to have a less structured year next we, year. We are arguing about whether we're going to go to India or not. Some uh-huh. of us want to and some of us don't. Uh, we are looking at trying to finally get to the Mardi Gras next year. Next year. Um, when it's a little later no, in the in spring. In 2011. And that's about, we were looking at a lot of things, but we've done nothing. No plans. We're just going to kind of roam around Texas for a month or two or three or four. And so then... if you want to invite us to you, <laughs> we're available. As long as you have champagne, right? <laughs> So, we will uh, wish our dear listeners a very prosperous 2010 and hope that all of your resolutions become fact and that you are able to follow through on them. Unlike me. And hope that uh, your travels are smooth. And we wish you good health. As we are aging, it's very clear that without good health, you don't have anything. And that we can make it through 12 more episodes of the RV Navigator. (laughs) And that you keep listening to us babble on. Yes, we certainly do appreciate all of the comments and questions that we get about the RV Navigator. So, this is Ken, your RV Navigator, and we'll be signing off for 2009. And Martha, the co-pilot, who's signing off, waiting for 2010.